Lord, I thank you so very much uh, that you're not a God for us just for the times when we're perfect, when we're on our best behavior or when we've got it all figured out. But I thank you that you are the God that is there for us in our doubt, in our questions, and when we are a wreck. God, we love you and we need your help. And as we approach your scripture tonight, I ask that you would help us. Open our eyes. Help us to be hearers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, there are Bibles, by the way, at the back of the room. They're always there. There's extras, so feel free to grab one if you like, or feel free to use a digital Bible, or if you thumb punch notes into your phone, whatever works for you. But we are City Bible Church. We believe that God called us to be in the city, that God speaks to us through the Bible, and being the church is about relationships, not attending an event. Oh, that was good. All right. Can you tell I had vacation? All right, so as a church, we're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. Our big three, connect, grow, share. Those are words that mean something to us. It's how we evaluate what we do with everything, with Sunday church and with small groups. We are here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. Have you ever been stressed out? My wife was the first one to say yes. I'm not sure what that means. Being married to me is not easy. Have you ever felt anxious, worried, confused? Let's turn to Psalm 23. Okay? Let's, Let's turn to Psalm 23. This poetic song is maybe one of the most famous in human history. And we've been taking a look at it for a little while, and I know that a lot of us have had summer travel, but you can find on our website and on iTunes the previous messages as we have already gone through uh, verse 4 at this point. And I will say in particular that um, some of us in this room really need some of these messages. So just an extra Hey, if you had to miss a Sunday, totally cool, but please go to the website, go to iTunes, listen to it, it'll help you, it'll bless you, you'll be blessed and not stressed. All right, let's go to the the Word and have a look. Now, we've kind of titled this, our statement that you see on the screen is, when the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. Now, we're going to look at this from the King James first, because Many of you may have this memorized from the King James. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, to give us context, this song, this poem, is written by David. And David was the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz, which for those of you who have been in the faith for a while is an important thing to research and consider in the genealogy of Jesus. He's the youngest of eight brothers. Wrap your brain around that. 
He's the youngest of eight brothers and as such has had kind of the, maybe the longest stretch of years taking care of the sheep to help pay the family bills. There were no child labor laws in effect at this point. So he's taking care of sheep, right? And when he's taking care of sheep is when this prophet comes along and says, you're going to be the next king. And his life, we'll kind of fast forward through his life. The current king pulls him into his palace and then is quickly upset with him and is a little bit of a raving lunatic and tries to kill him, sets out to kill him. And so David has to run and he can't run back home because the current king knows where he lived. So he's got to run from his family and his job. He's got to go on his own. We fast forward into his life again and he's king and as king he has to go about uh, getting rid of criminals and warring nations that were uh, were killing uh, God's people and so he knows what it is to face opposition and to clear out enemies and to have people that oppose you and hate you and want to kill you he comes into a time of peace and in a time of peace in his life he falls out of love with God and falls into an affair, and then ultimately to cover up his affair, a murder. A prophet comes to him again, calls him to repentance, and he writes Psalm 51, one of the best for when you're repenting of sin. He writes this song, Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. He comes back to serving God. This is a person in the genealogy of Jesus. This is a person who's described as after God's heart. And then he's betrayed again by one of his sons. And he has to run for his life. And in that season of his life, running to save his life, he writes this song. This song of the satisfied customer. This song of being at rest. This song of going back to his childhood. Some of us, you ever live long enough that when in stressful times you kind of go back to your childhood? So he's gone back to his childhood and he's thinking about what it was when he was taking care of his sheep. Now let's read it from the New Living. Some of you have in your hands. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for You are close beside me. Your rod and Your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. All the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David, even in the face of enemies, was prepared to party. I told you, I had vacation. David was prepared to party. So we bring our focus to this verse. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. These are words that if we're honest, not trying to pretend like we know what we're doing and good all the time, we don't really know what they mean. 
And so what we've been doing in this series is kind of getting into the context of what a shepherd's experiences were like and what some of these words would have clearly meant, what would have been obvious since taking care of livestock was one of the few jobs available. So we've been talking about that. And in particular, uh, just to kind of give us some context, in the last verse, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, which, believe it or not, was not written for action movies. I told you, I had vacation. There's actual meaning to that. And what we see before that verse is actually a transition in the poetic song. We've transitioned from God is my shepherd and he leads me. He lets me rest. He guides me. He refreshes me. To even when I walk through you. We've transitioned to more intimate language and to talking about a, the literal translation of the language is the darkest valley. And what we talked about last week to give us some context is that once a year, and this song actually tracks the annual life of a shepherd and the sheep, and that once a year a shepherd would, in this region of the world in particular, in the Mideast, a shepherd would... When it summer comes, and as we start to see the heat ratchet up, and the grass start to die, a shepherd is going to lead the sheep up along streams, and up and up to cooler temperatures, up into the foothills of the mountains, where there's fresh grass available. And so actually, the valley is not going down, the valley is going up to a place of being better cared for. The valley is going up to a time where you're more intimate with the shepherd because you're closed in by the canyon. Now this is what people who sang the song when he wrote it would have known that we don't know. Right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sounds like I'm running for my life in graffiti alley, somebody's trying to kill me with a 38. I mean, am I the only one? Okay, but yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of the death, is that's what he's referring to. Now I'm closer to the shepherd because the shepherd is leading me up through a dark valley to a place where I can be cared for. And so actually the beginning of this, which sounds like a host preparing a table, you prepare a feast for me, is actually the King James, a table in North Africa to this day, they use the same root word that we have in English and in Latin and Spanish language for table or a mesa or a high flat place of the hills. So it's quite possible from scholars and shepherds that what he's writing about is that the shepherd has gone ahead and scouted out a high place where I can be fed. The shepherd has gone ahead and maybe spread out some stuff to kill the weeds, to prepare a table, a mountainous flat space for me to eat. The shepherd has gone ahead and maybe spread out some fertilizer so the grass can grow. The shepherd has prepared. Now we see, as we see depicted in this stained glass window over here to my left, Jesus is the good shepherd. And how after Jesus' ascension is he described? He has gone ahead of us to what? to prepare a place for us. So Jesus, this song is 
the song of somebody who has chosen to follow God and is satisfied because they recognize that God is always at work. Jesus, the good shepherd, has gone ahead of us and has prepared for us. There is nothing in your life that God has not seen coming. Jesus goes ahead of... Psalm 16, David writes a song, I saw the Lord always in front of me. And it's actually, you've got to kind of understand Hebrew to get... Hebrew works, they would tell stories, um, middle, end, middle, end, beginning, middle, end. True story. Gotcha. So, to Hebrew, I saw the Lord always before me. It's actually looking back in my life, uh, as Cam Newton said, uh, it, it, you know, looking back is, is 50-50. Hindsight is always 50-50, Cam Newton said. He got his math wrong, 20-20, right? So, David's looking back on his life, and he's realizing that everything that I went through, God saw it first. God was always in front of me. God prepared a table for me. Now, not everything in our life are we supposed to consume. You know that there are weeds that can kill a sheep within minutes. The shepherd's got to go before and kill some weeds. Do you know that there's stuff in your life that you can consume that will kill you? Sin will always take you farther than you want to go, will always cost you more than you want to pay. Right? I saw the Lord always before me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And up on the mountain table, what can happen, right? Mountain lion, cougar, uh, bear maybe, uh, definitely wolves and coyotes in the Mideast in the mountains. Where where they would perch at a distance and at a distance in their little nook and cranny next to their little tree, their spot. They would watch the sheep from the distance and they would watch for an opportunity. And I don't want to freak you out, but we believe in God and we believe in a devil. He's a dog on a leash, but he is still seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. David said, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You've got enemies. David knew what enemies were, right? We heard the story already. David had enemies in his life. This was not just some fanciful song written with ideas and fantasies and things that weren't real. David, he was trying to be, his son was trying to kill him when he wrote this song. He talks about God. And what a contradiction. It's like upside down, inside out, right? We stayed in South Carolina with my in-laws and uh, around the place are these little canals that kind of created little ponds and there was these turtles there that were just all over the place. And people would feed them. And they, as soon as they saw a human, they'd come, you know, swimming up to you. They'd want to be fed. And my, my kids were in love with the idea of fishing. And so we decided to go fishing. And that meant Rebecca had to try to distract the turtles so we could hopefully try to eyeball some fish, which we had never seen in these ponds, right? And so we're trying to do that. And wouldn't you know it, who came around when we were fishing? A gator. 
All of a sudden, up this canal swims this four and a half foot gator. Look at me. He's been fed by people too. <laughs> now, I got stories for another day. I have myself, with my bare hands, caught a gator of the same size in Lake Kissimmee in Florida. Story for another day. I have never seen a gator behave like this gator. He was looking for food from people, and I was not about to give him my child. My baby son! Right? So, in the presence of my enemies, God has prepared a feast. My cup overflows with blessings. Now, we not only have the language of the table and the mountainous place, but it is also the language of a table host. And one of my favorite table hosts in this neighborhood is a guy named Thomas. And this is a picture of Thomas on the screen. And Thomas is the chef, owner, and proprietor of the Golden West. And if you've not eaten at the Golden West Cafe, he has not paid me to endorse him, but I am endorsing him. You should check it out. Right down, roll into 36, take a right, you're there, it's on the left. Now, Thomas is actually known among chefs in Baltimore as an expert on waffles. If you're not interested yet, out of the new takeout window, you can get iced Vietnamese coffee and Korean tacos. If you're not interested yet, he's got a New Mexico, authentic New Mexico dish, multiple times on Food Network called Huevos Monteleños. Huevos Monteleños and the Sopapilla enchiladas are to die for. Thomas, every couple of weeks, actually imports from New Mexico the authentic peppers that you need. So this dish has some kick. Now, why am I talking about Thomas? I actually, Thomas is one of the few chefs in the neighborhood that I don't know. But here's something that I like about Thomas. I actually took Charlotte for an extra birthday date Uh, there to the Golden West. We had a really nice meal together. One thing about Thomas, the way that he's prepared his restaurant, prepared his menu, and he is a fanatic about the right ingredients. Because what Thomas is trying to do is not just give you enough food so you can survive, but give you the right meal so that you will be pleasantly surprised with more than enough. Now, does that sound like the way David is describing... God. Right? I, I think sometimes we unfortunately struggle to believe that God will even pay the bills. But God wants us to really be seeking Him to get to know Him so that He can pleasantly surprise us. That was really good. Let me say that again. Sometimes I think what God's wanting to do is to pleasantly surprise us. That's what he wants to do with more than enough. Do you think that God sent his son to die on the cross so that you could survive this life? Oh, heck no. Can I get an amen? No. Jesus said, John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that to the full. You're not supposed to be dragging around. My life is terrible. Woe is me. Zero with the rim knocked off. Not half a worm. No! Jesus came to give us life and that to the full. David got a hold of this. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Now let's pause there for a second. Okay, take a breath. I know I'm going a little fast for some of us. All right, we're caught up. In the presence of my enemies. Well, if God is preparing a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, who wins? Who wins? Do my enemies win? See, we, we can come to God's feast when we ask questions of the Scripture. I need to say that one again. We can come to God's feast when we ask questions of the Scripture. If God prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, then who wins? God wins. And if I'm following Him as my shepherd, I win. I win, I win, I win. I would have done a different one, but Chiquetta wasn't here. That's, David did not have an easy life. And yet, in the face of contradiction, in the face of challenging, in the face of his own enemy, which was his son that betrayed him. Now, what hurts more? When somebody you've never met betrays you, or someone that is closest to you betrays you. Even in the face of betrayal, David writes of God, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, just real quick, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. Let's, let's break that down for a second because that has a shepherd analogy, not some weird Pentecostal analogy. <laughs> Sheep had two main problems in this time of year. One is nose flies. And don't worry, I'm not going to get graphic, but a fly that would want to lay its eggs in the nose of the sheep, okay? Now, as you can imagine, this is, that was graphic. (laughs) I appreciate that. I apologize for lying and saying that I wasn't going to get graphic. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. So a nose fly is a terrible pest. Enough said. A second one is a skin infection called scab. It's just what it's called. Now, sheep are actually very affectionate animals with each other, and they actually rub their heads together often as a sign of affection. Well, what that means is that with a skin infection, that skin infection spreads really fast. It's really contagious. So what shepherds would do at this time in this part of the world is prepare an... Oh, oh boy. Prepare an ointment... Uh, kind of a home remedy that would be a mixture of a few different ingredients and would rub this ointment over the head of the sheep. And what was amazing about this home remedy is that it actually worked. And it worked immediately. Immediately, a sheep that had been constantly shaking its head to try to get rid of the flies would no longer be shaking its head. 
And a sheep that was had this irritation of this skin infection constantly rubbing up against branches to try to get better or even hiding in branches to get away from the flies was immediately better. David is literally saying, as a shepherd, from the perspective of the sheep, that God, you bring an immediate remedy to my irritations. The nose fly actually could cause death in a sheep. So it's not just like surface level irritation, it's like serious irritation. God, you bring immediate remedy to my irritation. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You provide a remedy to my irritation. Not only was it that, but also... You know, with animals, they reproduce. And when the hormones kick into gear, uh, with sheep in particular, the rams will rut or butt heads with their horns. You've ever seen this? We watch a lot of nature TV with the kids. So I could talk about that for 45 minutes. But what shepherds will do is they'll take grease and anoint the head or literally cover the head of those rams with a grease. And what will happen is the rams will come to come together and... It's almost football season, my favorite sound effect. (laughs) The rams will go, come together, and slip off each other and not be able to do damage against each other. David might also be saying, as a shepherd, that God anoints my head with oil, and when I want to ram someone, (laughs) he stops me. When we want to do damage to each other, he minimizes the damage. He brings peace to conflict. He is the peacemaker. He anoints my head with oil. He brings an immediate remedy to my diseases, my irritants, my problems. He brings a peace where there should normally be conflict. What are we really talking about? I'm so glad you asked. We're talking about in life, even in the face of contradicting situations, in life, coming to a place where you are at rest with the comfort that God's taking care of you. At rest because you're following Him. At rest because of a realization of your salvation. At rest because God is good. At rest because Jesus is the good shepherd. At rest because Jesus never sleeps. At rest because Jesus lived here. At rest because Jesus knows your pain. At rest because Jesus too was betrayed. At rest because Jesus lived a life without sin. At rest because Jesus paid the price for your sin. At rest because Jesus is the author of peace and joy. At rest because Jesus is your good shepherd. At rest. Not at rest because you hit the ejection seat button on your life.
Not at rest because you remove yourself from a situation of pressure. You are at rest because of Him. Not because anything you have done. Not because you had a good week. Not because you were good this week. Hello? We are at rest because He is good. We are at rest. We are confident in His care. We are drinking from a cup that overflows with blessing. What does that mean? That means that you are blessed beyond your own ability to contain. Blessed beyond your own ability to retain. Blessed so that you can be a blessing. See, there's a purpose in God's blessing. Now, when we talk about rest, share a look at the screen just for a second. We've got to understand a little bit of what we're talking about. Because I believe that if we don't understand this piece, we will have a much more difficult time entering His rest. God has designed life for you to enjoy each of these four things. Yeah, I said enjoy. Work. Worship. Rest. And play. Now, we did not have a restful vacation because of the age of our children. We had a playful vacation. And you, you, you know what I'm saying? Right? I wasn't asleep, y'all. Right? I was on roller coasters and, and walking away from gators and, you know... Rest, sleep, sure, but rest is also being at peace, Uh, taking a step back. Rest is some private time, you and God, focused on His goodness. Rest is different than play, but I actually have scripture and verse for each of these four things. I believe that God wants us to enjoy work, Worship, rest, and play. And I want to submit this to you. If you're having a hard time interacting with God on a level where you're aware of His presence, it may be because you got this out of balance. It may be time to sit down pen and paper, and write down the things that you value, and then write down the things that need to be cut out of your life. You see, we're busy because we choose to be. We have choices. We can choose where we work what we drive, what we do. Everybody's got 24 hours in a day. It may be time to sit down and write out what you value and then write out what needs to be cut out. Because if you don't have any energy for God who created you, who's preparing a place for you in heaven, something's wrong. I mean, I know what it's like. I've been there before myself where it's like, I got no energy, I got no time. That's a feeling because 
I was focused on things that were temporary instead of being focused on things that are forever. You hear what I'm saying? So if, if I can sit down and write out the things that I value and write out the things that I should cut out and start to make some hard decisions in my life, then I can actually give God some good time when I'm awake. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I've got some relational energy. Do you know that with uh, your favorite TV show or podcast or, or social media, you can actually be burning uh, your psychological, your, your, your relationship capital? on people that are not real. Now, this is like a documented medical fact. You can be burning through by, by, by observing TV or interacting with people on social media. You can be having human interactions, uh, interactions with people and burning a part of your energy that you have for life and have no energy for God. It applies to marriage. It applies to all the most important relationships in our life. If I feel that I have no energy for the most important relationships in my life, it's time to make a change. Because God is still this God. He hasn't changed. Who got real, didn't it? God is still this God. That is who he is. And that is, he is available to us. And I might be, because I'm so tired and I'm so drained and I've already spent all my relationship energy, I might be coming to him with a Dixie cup. And do we think that that's all he's got for us? No, it's time to say, God, I'm ready for a bath. I'm ready for more of you. God wants us to enjoy Him because He is this God. He is the God. He is the God who has supply for us that is beyond our expectation. Jimmy, will you come and pray? Let's play. Let's close with prayer. Will you stand with me, please? I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know that God loves you. I do know that God's not surprised by your circumstances. That God's not surprised by your enemies. That God's not surprised if you feel dry, if you feel empty. That God's not surprised if you feel hurt, if you feel hopeless. God's not surprised if you feel anxious frustrated, confused. God's not surprised. He's here for you right now with whatever it is that you need. That's who's here right now. In whatever way you want to, closing your eyes, bowing to a knee, whatever works with you, I want you to focus on God right now and let's spend a moment in prayer. If you're here and you know that you need more of Him, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. God, we come to you tonight in need of you. 
God, we do love You. God, we do believe that You are our Good Shepherd. We thank You that Jesus never sleeps, never fails us, is preparing a place for us. Forgive us for where we have fallen short. Forgive us for where we have been too busy for You. Forgive us, Lord. We raise a hand tonight to say, God, we need You. We're ready. We're willing to make the adjustments, Lord. We want to be filled to overflowing with You. We want to be more aware of Your presence than anything else that is in our life. And so right now, I ask You, Father God, in the name of Jesus, to come with Your presence and bring change. Come, supply the need. Come, bring a blessing that is unexpected. Come, bring physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, spiritual new life in us. Come by Your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Rest upon us. Immerse us in You, Lord God, that we would be aware of Your presence, of Your love for us, that our spiritual eyes would be opened to the truth of Scripture, that we would see the hope of Jesus in You, that we would understand what being saved means, that we would get a connection with the fact that You saved us because You love us. Help us, Lord, in whatever situation we find ourselves in, in the need of counsel, in complicated, complex situations, and in in the need of desperate change in the life of someone else, God, in the need of desperate change for lives of intimate relationships, God, we ask for Your intervention. We ask for Your grace, Your peace. Lord, I ask You to do miracles tonight. In the name of Jesus. In this room and in every other room that's being thought about right now, Lord, come do a miracle in the name of Jesus. Bring change where there needs to bring change. Help us to be full to overflowing with You that we can't help but carry Your presence to others. We can't help but carry Your love to others. We thank You for it. We thank You that You are this God that You are our Good Shepherd ever preparing for us. We thank You for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.